Welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Join us each week as we bring you something new. Interviews with experts and inspiring guests and panel discussions where we'll bring in diverse perspectives about trending business topics. Whether you're seeking inspiration or a way to reframe your future, we're glad you're joining us for this week's episode of Pivot. Welcome to season two of the Pivot Podcast. We are so excited to be back with you and we're delighted to have two distinguished coaches as our guests on today's show, Judy Spear and Monique Betty. Before we begin, could you please introduce yourselves and share a little bit about who you are? Judy, can we start with you first? Sure. I'm Judy Spear. I've been doing executive coaching for about 20 years. I have founded a business in the United States and another one in Canada. I do executive coaching because I'm really um, a transformation consultant. And to transform organizations, you have to do leadership development. And a tool that I use to do leadership development, one of the tools is executive coaching. So that's kind of what I do. And I've been doing all this since about 1997. I've worked with more than 50,000 people. 50,000. Wow. And Monique, what about you? Yes, I have a executive coach practice and I primarily work as an external coach for high performing leaders in large corporations. And I'm an executive coach trainer with an International Coach Federation credential and with a ICF, which is International Coach Federation. ICF is the acronym for that. Um, I am a coach trainer for an ICF accredited training company. And I'm a Gallup Strength certified coach and do workshops within organizations. Multifaceted, I like to say. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for both being here today. In this season of the Pivot Podcast, we will be focusing on the Strengths Finder Assessment. We find this tool to be so valuable and use it all the time with our clients. And in today's episode, we'll discuss why StrengthsFinder is an important tool and the value it provides. And on our subsequent episodes this season, we'll profile 10 specific strengths. Each episode will feature a panel of guests who have that strength in their top five. So with that said, let's get started. Monique, could you give us an overview of the StrengthsFinder assessment and the fourth strength domains? Absolutely. And I'd love to just share with your audience that uh, I became a groupie fan of the, of the strength mo- uh, movement. I want to say it was back in 1998 when I was uh, part of the leadership team with the Coca-Cola company and we had a leadership meeting and we brought out Marcus Buckingham, who was one of the scientists uh, behind the uh, strength research. And One of the things he said, and I vividly remember how I felt in that moment, but from the stage, he said, American businesses focus so much on trying to fix people's weaknesses. Uh And our research shows that with an equivalent amount of time dedicated to building up people's natural talents into strengths, the results are astronomical. And I was like, became like a church lady. I was like, yes, yes, I agree. You know, I was was a little church lady in the crowd. Like, oh my gosh. 
that makes so much sense to me. You know, it's always the inevitable in these performance reviews in large corporations. Let's fix your weakness. Well, in the spirit of Gallup, if it's a weakness, there's a reason it's a weakness. It's because you are void or depleted in that area of talent. So let's invest where one has the natural gifts, those natural tendencies, which now I'll pivot to really giving that high level definition of what a strength is. Now, all of us from a very early stage go about our day and our thoughts and our actions based on natural talents that are within us. So the premise of a strength starts with a talent. Now, once you start to gain clarity of what that talent is, where you're seeing some really positive results, then you start to focus on it and develop it and hone it in a way that it then is generating a near perfect results for you every time when applied. That's when that talent is really working as a strength. So the equation is talent, time investment of development equals a strength. Talent plus time investment equals strength. Now, when individuals complete the strength finder assessment, which has been wildly popular for many a years, it really is a report that is providing you insights to what your talents are. It really fairly should be called a strength talent. I mean, the, the uh, a stre- a talent report more so than a strength report, right? So they're giving you the real meat and the real richness of how you're wired in terms of your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors, which are your talents. But then once you hone them and work on them, they become a strength. Now, let me pivot to the second part of your question, which was about the four domains. So here, this body of work has gone forward, referred to as as, uh, now referred to as Clifton Strengths, formerly known as Strength Finders. And in the business world and working with teams, one of the things that the researchers at Gallup discovered is that individuals who have really reach the top of their fields in a range of industries, have gotten there. The thing that they have in common is that these leaders know their strengths and they know how and when to apply them, just like a carpenter using his or her tools, knows which tool to apply. So here is the common denominator that those who are at the top of their game from a leadership perspective, the thing they have in common is that they're using their strengths. Well, when the researchers at Gallup then decided to look closer at teams and all of these talents for which there are a list of 34 themes, of these 34 themes, they recognized that the talents started to foot up under what I like to refer to as pillars, but they call them domains. And there are four leadership domains, executing, influencing, relationship building, and strategic thinking. All of those 34 themes that many people become familiar with in the strength world fit up under one of those four pillars. And then what you can then start to do is crystallize what a team profile looks like through the lens of those domains to see, hmm, 
based on the collection of those on your team, are they dominant in strategic thinking or are they more dominant in executing? Or do they have you know, strength collectively in this relationship building or influencing? So those domains then allow us to look at a team's profile and talk about, hmm, maybe a team is heavily weighted in one or two of those pillars. How are we going to achieve our goals and figure out how to navigate those other two remaining domain areas? So that's just a high level. I could go on for days, but I won't. Monique, that was so well said. And I just want to also mention that I really enjoyed the story that you shared earlier about how now it just seems like so many uh, organizations seem to focus on weaknesses and areas of improvements versus strengths. And that's the beauty of StrengthsFinder is when you really leverage your strengths and you were talking about these leaders, they know when to plug and play their strengths and when to play them up. And that's when you thrive. Exactly. So Judy, can you tell us why an individual or an organization might leverage the StrengthsFinder assessment and what benefits they can expect to see? Well, let me start by saying, Monique, I agree with everything you just said. And it's because of my 20 years now of using the tool. I started using StrengthsFinder shortly after it came out in 2001, and I, got, I just got hooked on it. My top strength is maximizer. And I can tell you, I hated performance evaluations all through my corporate career. Because like you said, they'd focus, my boss would focus for five minutes on what I was doing well. And then for the next 45 minutes, we had to talk about the things he wanted me to do differently or the things he wanted me to fix. Ugh, yuck. And maximizers can't stand to fix things that are broken. We like to take good things and make them superb. So coaching for me has just been a natural. And to answer Alexandra's question, when I'm doing executive coaching, bear in mind that I'm always, I, my themes are maximizer, strategic, futuristic, input, and activator. Oh, wow. All thinking and influencing domain strengths. And that's the order that I use them in. So when I'm using StrengthsFinder, I'm thinking about transformation. I'm thinking about the future and the best way to get there. And so when I work with individuals, I generally start with CEOs. CEOs hire me. And then I work with them and I work with their direct reports. And then they have me work with the groups under the direct reports. And I have found that StrengthsFinder is a fabulous tool to start with because it's non-threatening. And who doesn't want to hear about their strengths, their talents, their giftedness? Of course, let's start there. And I can't wait to see you because every time I see you, we're going to talk about my strengths and the things that I'm doing well. And that allows me to build trust with people. And then we can start talking about, okay, StrengthsFinder, Gallup refers to it as uh, balcony and basement or mature and raw. I think about it as shiny side and shadow side. Once I've engaged people and we got them, we get them thinking about this is the shiny side of your strength. And this is how you can be using it to benefit yourself, your organization, your department, all of these things. People really appreciate that. And now we can start spreading that message across the leadership team and helping them to build understanding of one another. And what I really find fascinating is 
people spend so much time watching everybody else and trying to understand everybody else when in fact, if they understood themselves first, it would help them to now understand other people. So I, this is a long answer to your question, but I like to start with StrengthsFinder because it's non-threatening. It builds understanding and appreciation of colleagues. And once people begin to understand what their colleagues can do that maybe they can't do, now we start to see people pair. We start to see people talk to one another. We start to see people build things together and develop a real appreciation and understanding for the strengths and the talents, not only across with their peers, but then down into their parts of the organization. And now it's so much easier to build alignment and get everybody rowing in the same direction. It also builds um, an appreciation for things that you might have found annoying once upon a time, but now you, when you understand why your colleague is doing what they're doing, that sense of being annoyed goes away and people now become curious and they say, well, tell me more about that so that I can learn not only how to work with that, but how to really value it and see it not as a threat anymore, but as some way that I can tap into that and it can help me, it can help my colleagues, and maybe you can be of help to some of the people who report to me. I had never thought of it in those terms exactly, but I've seen that happen personally and in the lives of others. Once we understand another person, we're a lot more forgiving toward them. So Alexandra, does that answer your question? Absolutely, that was a wonderful explanation. Sometimes I think, though, that the best way to convey how a tool really works is to share a real life story about, you know, just an amazing turnaround that you've seen when you begin working with their strengths. So, Judy, do you have a story that you could share with us today? I have oodles of them, but I'll give you I'll give you a couple that are that convey right away what I'm talking about. Right now, I'm doing a lot of work with a, a very large comprehensive cancer center in western New York. And on the leadership team, there are a number of people who have strategic as a gift, a talent. And the head of the chief um, marketing and strategy officer was having some difficulties communicating with the head of business development and strategy. And when we did StrengthsFinder and I took them through a group workshop, they realized a couple of important things. The head of business development has four thinking themes and one influencing theme. So he spends a lot of time living in his head. And he didn't realize that other people couldn't see what he saw and they didn't understand what he was thinking because he wasn't communicating it. Once he realized that she had strategic, she has three influencing themes and two Uh, Yeah, three influencing and two thinking. Once she, and one of her influencing themes is communicating, communication. Oh, that's perfect. Once they realized this about the two of them, they began meeting on a regular basis and she would help him create language around what he was thinking so that he could explain it to other people because she got him really quickly. 
because they shared strategic. So he would start to tell her a vision that he had or possibilities that he saw. She got them right away and she would help him develop stories that he could use to explain to other people what he was really talking about. Right, because people with communication strength are excellent storytellers, right? It has taken their relationship from tense and frustrating to a dream team. And now they meet regularly, they rely on each other, she helps him tell his story, and it has made a huge development, uh, a huge difference in the, the uh, strategic partnerships that he is building, not only in the Western New York community, but throughout upstate New York. And she said, it is so wonderful now to spend time with him because they understand each other's gifts and how they can pair those gifts to really get a lot more done. Judy, I think that is such a great story because one of the things about working with strengths, you mentioned people who have disagreements and like workplace conflicts, understanding each other's strengths is a way for, it's a map to understanding one another and, and quelling those situations. But I love it because it, it just builds on that. You don't have to just end there with understanding. You can, I mean, you can build on it and do something where you have great partnerships. Oh yeah. She is helping him before he gives a presentation. Bear in mind, this man is a surgeon and his specialty is urology. So he talks to a lot of other doctors and many, many doctors do not have strategic. They're more interested in, you know, looking at a physical issue and thinking about how would we fix this. And so she's able to help him bridge that gap. She helps him create presentations that he can take to physicians who don't have his gift of strategic thinking. And he can tell them stories in a way that they immediately understand what he's trying to do and they're ready to become a partner. It has made a huge difference. Absolutely. And besides being a practical benefit for them, it also made a huge change in the way they interacted. I think that's wonderful. And what about you, Monique? Yeah, Monique, I'd love to hear your experience and how it compares to Judy's. Could you share some stories with us? <laughs> kind of like Judy, let me back up the truck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And unload. <laughs> um, but what I often share in particular uh, when I'm doing keynote addresses to uh, corporate environments on strengths is this one example that seems to really resonate. Um, and I'll share with your audience. And I had a senior leader with a state government who, when realizing one of his dominant talent areas, was that of restorative. So. Oh. He's Mr. Fix-It, right? <laughs> Monique, that was the other example I was going to give, restorative. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I've got you covered. And uh, and Judy, I can't wait a little bit. I'm going to share the, uh, I had to put myself on mute because I was like, oh my gosh, Judy and I are best friends and we didn't even know it. That's so right, I'll, we're all twins. Yeah, I'll give, you, I'll give you that story a little bit. But this gentleman who's restorative and senior, um, in a senior leader position in state government. And I had been coaching him for years in a number of other disciplines. So he lands at this new state government role, head of operations. And 
within the first year, some of the feedback, because we did a, a 360 early on, some of the feedback he was receiving from the direct reports was this tendency they were feeling that he did not trust them because he had micromanaging tendencies. Uh-huh. So we bring this into a coaching session with his strength reports. Now, mind you, I'd been working with him for, for years in, in other jobs. So he was very well versed on his, um, his talents and his strength profile. Yet restorative and how he managed it in other roles was really working for him. However, now in this new role with these direct reports, it's getting in the way. So one of the things to build on what Judy has already shared that I like to reinforce with individuals in particular in the workplace is, yes, it's nice that everyone gets familiar with everyone else. I think it does advance relationship building. People then have a little a wider band of tolerance and acceptance because they now have a different lens by which to look at their colleague. I also stress that leaders have the responsibility to manage themselves for the benefit of the organization, for the benefit of achieving goals. So just because you have it means as well, you must ebb and flow it, know when to drive, when to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So with restorative, this gentleman and this tendency of a direct report to thinking he's micromanaging, lack of trust, et cetera, I invited him to consider <laughs> how will adjustments to your restorative lens support you in this new role? And through exploration, he realized his own tendency. When his direct reports were coming to him with something, guess what he was doing? solving it for them Uh because that's what he naturally does. Restorative is defined as you're great with dealing with problems, figuring out what's wrong and resolving it. And that's very natural for him. It's a comfortable place for him. And in this higher order leadership role, it's getting in the way. Right. He's not an individual contributor anymore. So pick and choose. What are you trying to accomplish? Do you want to be the leader that brings a team along or are you going to be a leader solo player and wear the cape all on your own? You know, so with that insight, he got it. He was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And we don't because our tendencies, our natural talents are so natural. They feel good to us. We love talking about them. We love being our maximizer selves or our restorative selves. And that gets in the way. Right. So he was able to pivot. He um, created space by having kind of this pocket full of what I would call pocket full of go-to questions that allowed him to break that initial behavior to think in how do I solve this problem, my direct report. And he had his go-to questions. So to his direct report, what, what are your thoughts on how best to resolve this? What ideas do you have? And he had to learn how to just simply say that and go quiet. Yes. So he can use his expertise to give them coaching. So that he could give them the space to process how they were seeing how to navigate um, problem solving. And he'd engage with them in a way to kind of challenge their thinking and then support them in moving forward with their thoughts and ideas on how to take an initiative forward much better. And needless to say, in a 12-month 
follow-up um, 360, complete pivot in terms of how they saw him. They did feel that there was trust there. He was no longer, still fell into his traps of his old ways, but had moved significantly forward in the space of being a leader and owning that space and less of being a micromanager. And it was as if the blinders had to come off with sitting down with his own talents, being very aware of how his behaviors were getting in the way. Monique, I love these stories. They really bring the concepts to life. Would you tell us your top five strengths and some ways you leverage them to your benefit? Well, this is where I'm so glad to meet Judy, my (laughs) new best friend, because we share three of our top five (laughs) signature themes. Um, And for those who really get to know me, it doesn't take long to see my number one is positivity. I Uh am positivity through and through. I'm a former cheerleading captain, cheerleading all through high school. (laughs) I am the quintessential, you know, always looking for that positive spin. That is no surprise. (laughs) Your voice, everything, definitely. And and Monique, positivity is in my top 10. There you go. It's in there somewhere. So get this, my next three, maximizer, futuristic, activator. (laughs) Oh my God. And mine is followed by responsibility. But it's really funny because I I carry an MBA in strategic thinking and corporate strategy is my MBA in marketing. And so although you were presenting, Judy, with that, um, with the strategic in your top five, so they're in my top 10 as well. That's why I like the hair on my arms went up when you were sharing your themes. Isn't it funny how when I meet people, all I have to... I know people I have never even met just by looking at their five themes. Right away, I have a sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a wonderful shorthand. Ah, uh, shorthand. Yes. And I'm, so, I'm so glad you talked about restorative because restorative, for people who don't understand that theme, can be so challenging. They see that person as negative and always looking for the downside. So right now, I'm working with um, a startup and the founder has restorative. It's one of his top themes. And the CEO he hired is positivity. So imagine what happens when the two of them start talking. The CEO says, oh, my God, everything I'm excited about, you know, Dan is dumping ice water on it and saying, well, this is wrong with it. And that's wrong with it. And the founder is saying, oh, I wish Jeff could be more realistic. He thinks that everything is going to turn out just great. <laughs> and those of us who are positivity, we see it as great, no matter what it is. Of it's like... <laughs> you can, well, you, you can, I mean, somebody can show you a pile of horse shit and you start digging in it because you know, there's a pony in there somewhere. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> or it's just great fodder for growing in a garden. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, we can use this. <laughs> I, one of my one of my colleagues, I, I'm a five-person team, and one of my colleagues has restorative, and I love it so much because I can chuck problems at her all day long, and she catches them, and she says, Judy, you don't even have to think about this anymore, and to me, that is the most glorious phrase. I love restorative. Yeah, that's funny. Well, and it's funny that the um, now uh, Clifton Strength, they're really advocating that 
those of us as the, you know, Gallup uh, coaches out here that we really work with our clients with the all 34 themes. And for me and the relationships I have with those that I do strength with, it's too much. Um, unless I have a very long-term engagement, will I then go to 34? Because what happens when someone sees all 34 of their themes at one time? Oh, they go right to the bottom five the, and say, how can I fix this? Exactly. And it totally derails the conversation if I'm doing a workshop that's just a day or two, right? Because yeah. the real gist is to support the uh, understanding application you know, balcony basements of those that you are most dominant in. So mm-hmm. absolutely. But um, they provided us in the um, certification program with our 34 reports. I didn't even look at mine. And I said, I know what my 34 is. <laughs> and sure enough, I turned it over. It was like, yep, I am. <laughs> absolutely. It is um, context. Context. Context is your number 34, like your least strong. Why is that? Because context is those who are driven and informed by the past. Uh So you oftentimes look backwards to inform your decisions today and going forward. And historical perspective is lost on me. Yeah, I completely, even in corporate, I will gloss over as soon as someone starts talking about, well, what we did three years ago, five years ago, because I'm futuristic. I'm all looking at the next three or five years. So talking about what happened in the past is already gone. And I recognize this is where that comment I made earlier of we all have to also be responsible for how we manage our tendencies. Just because I have context in 34, it helps explain why I get a little antsy when people Uh start talking historically. Um, And I have to check that for the benefit of a group when there's valuable information to get in, but I'm pretty quick to go, okay, now what are we going to do? You know, Monique, our son is also a consultant. He lives in Toronto uh-huh. and we do projects together. He has context input and strategic. Oh my gosh. So when we work together, he does all the research. For yes. Me. yes. It's perfect. Yeah, I'm looking at the domains. Yep, all strategic mm-hmm. thinking. Yep, both of our children, uh, I say children, one is one is 49 and the other one is 55. Those old kiddos. They both have, they both have strategic <laughs> thinking and we all have input. My oh husband, my goodness. Our children, our grandchildren. And so when we get together, we sit around and talk about what we've read, what we've seen, what we've heard. It's this huge exchange of information. It is so much fun. That's fun. <laughs> And so I know we've talked a little bit about this, so we might know your top three, but Judy, could you please share with us your top five strengths? Okay. Um, what I do with people is years ago, I started using StrengthsFinder as soon as it came out. And because I have strategic, I'm constantly organizing things. And back in the early days when it was a brand new tool, they didn't really differentiate. They gave you your top five, but there was no clue about how you used them. So I invented a way for people to differentiate and I got them to think of themselves as a car and these five themes rode in the car. They could have one or two in the front seat who drove or took turns driving. And I would say to people, 
these are the these are the themes that really are controlling your life. You get up in the morning and you think you're making your decisions wrong. You're on autopilot. These themes are doing it. So in the front seat, I have maximizer driving. Maximizer is looking out the windshield for everything it meets. How can I make this better? How can I take good things and make them superb? Riding next to maximizer is strategic. And strategic says, okay, once you've figured out a person, a group, an organization, whatever entity it is you're working with, once you've figured out working with this person, what they want to make better, now strategic is going to think of the path to get there. In the back seat, I've got futuristic and input. What could this future be like for this person, for this group, for this department, for this organization? Let's agree on what the future could be. Then I'm going to gather the, in, the information, the people, the tools, whatever it is we need for this journey. And then activator is the fuel in my car. And it says, all right, we've got everything ready. How soon can we start? Let's go. So I work with people to figure out the order of their themes and what do I use most frequently. And I tell them that when you do the Gallup assessment, that's really a snapshot in time. But let's have a conversation. Let's look at your insight uh, guide report and go through and read these descriptions. How much of this relates to you? Would you say this theme is moderate, high, or very high? And now we have a way to figure out how they like to use their themes, what order they use them in. What does their car look like? Who's in charge? Who's supporting from the back seat, adding their talent? And then where's the energy coming from? The gas in the car. So that's how I use my five. And I have found that my five are ideally suited for the work that I do. Organizational transformation, leadership development, executive coaching. I'm using those five themes all day, every day. And it's why I'm so happy. Judy, I am so glad you explained that analogy. I know that's become part of UMAP, which is the profile developed by your daughter, Kristen Cherry. And it's so helpful when people are trying to understand the role that their strengths play in their life. Judy, that is so great. And Monique, how can our listeners reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Absolutely. I am known amongst... uh... My followers is Coach Mo. I as well have a podcast of Tuesdays with Coach Mo. So Tuesdays with Coach Mo, all one word, dot com, will get you to my website and also my Instagram account. Yes, Tuesdays with Coach Mo is a terrific podcast. If you haven't already heard of it, definitely go check it out. Wonderful. And Judy, uh, if our listeners want to connect with you, how could they reach out to you? I'm real easy to find on LinkedIn, or they can email me, jspear at rvroadsinc.com, or visit my website, www.rvroadsinc.com is my American website, and I also have a a substantial practice in Canada, where I am spear-roads.ca. Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely be linking all of this in our show notes. And you guys, thank you so much for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. And we are looking forward to some very interesting discussions on strengths this season. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. 
and, you guys and have been Monique, you and I should have a follow-up call. Absolutely. Anytime <laughs> we can talk strength, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Pivot Podcast. Join us next week for a brand new show and another exciting panel. We'll see you then.